we interrupt your scheduled audio programming to bring you this message from Ghosts on a Train. All right, guys, I'll ask the question we always ask when we encounter something. Uh, does anyone recognize them? Uh, Hannah, you look like you have something. I mean, that's the question you usually ask when our characters run into a ghost so we can collaborate, but right now we're doing a promo, not playing. Are you talking about yourself? You're Greg, you're the GM. Is this a bit? We always do bits, Hannah. But your character, Andrel, isn't the one leading the bolts. That's Stefan's character, Drix. Stefan, what's Drix's first move? Uh, do, do any of these moves work on promos? Normally we're a team of three goons keeping ghosts off of our train. But I guess Drix is going to try and impress the listeners with a rope trick. Awesome. What do you think you would employ to impress a listener? Finesse, right? I mean, obviously, Drix is the show off. A guy, you spoke before anyone could organically say your name. Quick, introduce yourself, and what's your character, Pip, doing? Oh, you just introduced me. I'm Guy, and Pip's gonna take a little bit something to, to warm him up through the promo. You're taking Greg's weird promo bit in stride. Well, Hannah, that's because I know listeners have already decided to hear our journey to bust the biggest ghost, the immortal emperor. But you guys don't even know if he's a ghost. Boxcars, I rolled two sixes. The listeners are going to check out Ghosts on a Train, where we play Ghost Lines by our man Shade Dog, a.k.a. John Harper. Wait, we don't personally know John. We can't say that. <laughs> Shut it, Greg. We're going to kill the J-Man's immortal emperor. You can't just... We're going to bust this whole thing wide open. Yeehaw! Listen to Ghost on a Train, a Ghost Lines actual play. Take a trip on the Bride of Duskwall, an electric train protected by these three uh, professionals. You're listening to The Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this week is imagination, and today, I'm sitting down with Stefan and Guy from Ghosts on a Train. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello everyone, and thank you for opening the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I am joined by Guy, who plays Pippin, or Pip McKeel, if I got that right, and Stefan, who plays uh, Adric Drix Belial mm-hmm. on Ghost on a Train. Welcome, guys, and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy you're here. Pardon this pun I'm about to make, but the <laughs> the train has reached the station, guys. It's ah. time to disembark and have a conversation. So the way that this show works, uh, for listeners who are unfamiliar, each month I have a topic of discussion that uh, I and my guests will go over and talk about. And this month's topic is imagination, all about how we perceive the games we play through our mind's eye or imagination. But before I want to ask you guys a whole bunch of questions, I would love to know how you guys have been doing. Uh, I'd say we've been doing pretty good. I mean, we spent yeah. most of today watching, you know, Xena Warrior Princess. So hell yeah. You know, just recapturing nostalgia and trying to ignore everything that's going on outside our doors. Hey, you know? I get that. I've been I've been listening to a lot of '90s jams hey, yesterday hey. and today, <laughs> and just like like hell yeah, Backstreet Boys, we're pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, actually, no, me me and some friends, we we jammed to Backstreet Boys. It's hell yeah. Really bad. <laughs> it's it was it's so funny because I I sent something online about how like coming to realization of just how like maybe nostalgically good that music is but like 
I didn't like it as a child or growing up because my friends were like, oh, this is stupid. It's not the cool stuff that we want to listen to. So I really missed out on a lot of great music back in the day. Right? Like, it's it's this weird sort of, like, cultural, like, kind of crab mentality. Mm. Which, <laughs> like, it, do you know about the, the crab mentality, Austin, or... Uh, I mean, f- yeah, I can guess what that is. Is it more of like how crabs only walk in one direction? So it's this uh, psychological thing where like if you got a bunch of crabs in a bucket, uh, if like any sort of individual one could like escape relatively easily, but all the other crabs will sort of like pull them down and just sort of like they ah. kind of all go down together. And Interesting. Uh, that's how one of my campaigns ended. <laughs> In a crab mentality. Oh, yeah. No one was succeeding at that one, despite my oh, best man. efforts. It was... <laughs> it's okay. I saved the best player, like, rescued him from from the bucket, and he joined pretty much, like, all of my other campaigns. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> we have, like, a group... Of, we have a pretty... We have, like, a pretty tight group of people who we just play everything with now, don't we? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I want to ask you to uh, my golden question, which is, what do you treasure most about D anD? I have been out of D anD D specifically for a long time. Uh, I say a long time, but I, I started playing RPGs only like three or so years ago. But well, how, how about we do this? What do you treasure most about tabletop role playing games? All right, that one is easy. I love- <laughs> I love just sort of like the freedom and sort of like the mutual exploration that everyone kind of does in the uh, just TTRPG space. Like as a GM, because I kind of fell into the forever GM role for a while. (laughs) I've mostly gotten out, but fell there for a while. Like my favorite thing is just sort of like to be sort of like a fan of the the characters and just sort of see everyone kind of grow and learn and experience everything kind of together. Yeah. Nice. Damn, you stole it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta yeah. do better. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you know what? You know what? I'm coming at it from a different angle. I'm coming at it from a different angle. Uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, through, through tabletop RPGs and D&D even specifically, just like, you get a really sweet avenue to experience a lot of things through eyes that aren't necessarily yours. And I really love just playing stuff out in very different ways to how I, Stefan, would do things. Because, yeah, yeah, I I, I think all of my characters have, like, a little bit of me in them. But also, they are just, like, they have ridiculously blown out. Or, like, my first character was a ridiculous pirate monk who was super theatrical and super over the top. And I love just kind of, like, the heightened sense of, like, or the heightened that, nature of That doesn't sound like you at all. What? I, <laughs> I, I am so down to earth and low to the ground. You know, I, I have never been anything. Stephen, You're practically crawling. six feet tall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not my fault that you're tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Some contention here. I love it. I'm five three on a good day. It's not usually <laughs> on a good day. day. <laughs> on what good days do you grow in height? Uh, on days where my back is not killing me and I'm not sitting in front of a computer. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, tell me about it, man. Back problems. I'm right here with you. Yeah. <laughs> 
I sh- uh, you can't hear us. Name needs to be workshop. We're but. dabbing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Dabbing. Perfect. I would love for you to to really give me a description or a just really tell me about the characters that you guys play on the podcast. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, for me, that's very easy because I came up with the name first of just like I want this guy to be named. And then I came up with like a nice squeaky kind of like Londoner accent. And then I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to make him drunk. Oh, perfect. And that's pretty much where I went with the character. I actually worked with Greg RGM to effectively write a character with no backstory. So Pip has basically just been in the bottle for so long that he doesn't really like remember anything about his past but whenever there's sort of like something interesting like ooh, i can work with that i'll like latch onto it and it's like pip senses like there's something more he should know about this that he doesn't at current moment hmm. and it's been real fun just sort of like exploring that as we go interesting yeah i also do not recommend this unless you trust your gm like a lot. Mm-hmm. According <laughs> to Greg, he has like a full-on murder board of oh, man. things that connect to Pip's past somehow. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah. Uh, what about you, uh, Stefan? I play Drix, and so I came in or or with Ghost Lines. There is a list of pre-printed. Uh, there's a list of like predetermined names that you can choose from, and one of them was Adric, and Adric is. Uh, a Doctor Who character that I really like. So I was like, Ooh. well, I have to. I have to name him that. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't want to say Adric all the time. So I shortened it to Drix, and from there I was like, hmm, what kind of a person would have the name Drix? And for some reason my mind went, cowboy. Definitely <laughs> a cowboy. <laughs> a cowboy named Drix. Yep, that's me. Or Adric, but you can call him a Drix. He, I love that. That's cool. He he will just like fall into that that voice and like not be able to get out of it. It's very dangerous. It's shockingly very funny. easy. <laughs> in in our latest episode, I get called out for it because oh, <laughs> because I Stefan was talking with Drix's voice and not realizing it about how the, <laughs> about how our guest was a guest character and could do whatever she wanted. Oh man, you just were so much in your mind that you were just like, I am Drix. <laughs> there is no distinction. Once I turn it on, I, I can get stuck there pretty easily. It's that's, that's pretty good though. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, he's very dumb. He's very fun. He's very kind. I, I when when I came into Drix, I was like, I kind of want to do an very a very easygoing character, someone who has had, like, not too difficult a life and doesn't seem to take life too seriously and generally is just in it for the fun of it. So I figured that kind of projected outwards to, like, a really kind, or a really kind, really caring person that just kind of looks for the fun in all things. Hmm. Also, it was a very nice change of pace after my last character, who was a bastard. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, though. So you're saying that Guy, you were saying that you were you really inspired by well, not really inspired, but you had this like squeaky London accent, and he was alcoholic. Was was there a certain thing or person exactly that you were just like I envision this person as as my character? So it kind of came out of two things. Uh, one being, uh, we were talking a little bit about nostalgia before the show. 
But uh, one thing being uh, the frontliner for Gorillaz 2D, kind of just like oh, picked, that, yeah. picked that voice just uh, from the little side bits that they do that no one actually watches. But I enjoyed it. <laughs> Dude, that's good. Uh, I love that. That's sort of like part of where it came from. The other part was actually inspired by a, another character played by, ironically enough, our first guest on a game that you ran, Stefan. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I guess it, heavily inspired by uh, Hattie, who, or our friend Yoshiko, who does the art for our podcast and is insanely talented. Do go check out her Twitter at YoYoYoshiko. On, she's, she is so ridiculously talented. And just get yourself an artist friend. It, it always helps. Oh, it's so convenient. Oh, yeah. I'm can... not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it, It's about as comparable as having like a mechanic friend in real life, you know? Oh, just be God, like, yeah. hey, you can work on cars? Perfect. <laughs> I, oh, 100%. <laughs> just yeah. instantly so much easier. Oh, yeah. yeah well, she, well, tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. She and our, I ran a short Doctor Who mini campaign for. Greg, our GM, uh, Yoshiko, our first guest, who plays Camilla on the show, and our friend Mask, who will hopefully be a friend, or who will we get be a guest in the future? As as I think we said a little bit before, we've got kind of like an insular groove of people that we just all play RPGs with, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of crossing of wires. A whole lot of crossover, but yeah. Well, that's she... really, really cool, though. <laughs> it is. It's, it's nice to have this sort of like small community, effectively. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And like I love playing with these people and like drawing them into other games because it's like I know you'll give your all and you guys love or you guys love going all in on like the game and And stupid ideas. Oh, Can't forget so that. many stupid ideas. So Yoshiko's character was Hattie. And she was a time displaced woman from the twenties who was a serious raging alcoholic who had a robotic arm that could function for a lot of very interesting things, but she mostly used it to convert matter to alcohol and, dir- and pump it directly into her blood. <laughs> That's so cool. It was a ton of fun, and playing with an always drunk character is surprisingly entertaining the whole time. That's pretty good. It it can go south. Very, I've I've seen it where it, like a drunk character just goes south because there was one example. I won't say any names, but this person drunk heavily or drank heavily in real life during the session and it just made things so bad so in like yeah that's, yeah. Yeah. that's not some method acting that no really want to do. <laughs> that's like the worst form of method acting right there you're getting too much into that mindset <laughs> well same question to you though uh stefan with your main character that you were just like i i envisioned you know, this person to be the embodiment of my character? Like, do you have maybe like a, an actor, or like he said, you had the frontline member of Gorillas? Did you have a character like that? Yes. Okay. So there is a very specific Channing Tatum performance. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a few Channing Tatum performances. <laughs> I've never heard this story. Oh, so, no. so I don't, I don't think I clocked it immediately. <laughs> I don't think I clocked it immediately, but it is something I thought about heavily later on in the sequel to kingsman there's okay a that, brief that's foray. not where i thought it was gonna go yeah yeah right <laughs> there's a brief foray into america where we meet the statesman one of which is a, a lasso wielding country accented channing tatum oh, who God. is so ridiculously over the top with everything he does and that is the exact energy i brought into drix when i thought of cowboy <laughs> 
totally watch the Kingsman sequel tonight. It was a lot of fun. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I think it's a lot of fun. God, I need to so see good. this with my own. Oh man, that I have yet to see the second one, but like I think that character just alone was like, I don't want to watch this just because like I it's just Oh man, just Channing. I Channing Tatum's an all right actor. Like, he's an all right mm-hmm. dude. I like him. But, like, yeah, you have this duality of like these very, you know, like we are elegant men from uh, the UK, <laughs> and and they're like yeehaw, partner. I'm I'm swinging lassos. Yeehaw, no. I'm, I'm a secret agent. It's so weird. <laughs> The gun-toting cowboys, or the gun-toting cowboys played against, like, the gentleman spy. It's fun. It's it's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's super weird, but I love that kind of weird. So, my one of my friends, uh, Chris, he he's always been saying that the, one, that the thing he wants more than anything else is a Machete sequel. Oh, man. Because Machete and Spy Kids are in the same universe. Yes, they are! <laughs> it's amazing! <laughs> So he wants a Machete sequel where he loses all of his gear and has to go with and has to use the Spy Kids gear. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. And that, so good. that kind of duality is exactly what I strive for in all things. Uh, I can just imagine it now. Uh, it'd be a beautiful, beautiful movie. One day. One day. Who knows? I would like to ask a, uh, a different question now about what your guys' opinions are on imagination and tabletop role-playing games. Do you you guys believe that games have a huge emphasis on you know imaginative role play or just you know going through like your the things that you perceive in your mind do you think that they uh really help to expand one's own imagination so we're actually exactly the right kind of people to ask about this because in my home games i mostly run the fantasy flight game star wars system uh and one of the things that i'm most known for is giving all of the characters at some point or another a force vision in which there's very little actual like rolling it's very disconnected from everything else that's going on but it's very sort of these personal personalized kind of just sequences they're effectively just like improv scenes but cutscenes effectively Hmm. But I tried to tailor that for each individual character, and it led to some wild results that were a lot of fun both to like see played out and just to play out in itself. Like, for sake of example, one of the... For uh, Stefan's character, uh, he was primarily playing a character that was trying to escape his past and trying to like run away from his feelings and his own guilt and associations with that. So for his little force vision sequence, I had him literally play out a trial in which he was sort of like placed on trial to sort of like justify how he couldn't like come to terms with his own emotions. Hmm. One of the most interesting things that we did in that was all of the other players played their character on in the trial as basically character witnesses. But they played them as their character as perceived by Stefan's character at the time. 
So it was this kind of like extra layer of understanding your character, just sort of like how they look from the outside, not just internally. Mm-hmm. And that that was one of my favorite moments. That was like really, really in cool that entire thing. campaign. Nice, that's pretty good. Do you have anything to add to that, Stefan? Ah, oh, man, I, I I forgot that 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 seems so good. <laughs> I think you can really you can really expand on just how you approach storytelling, mm-hmm. or like you have to expand on how you approach storytelling. Really, when you GM, I recently had like my first my my first like big GMing experience with that Doctor Who mini campaign, and my players would consistently throw me like, <laughs> I had to think on my think on my feet so fast because they'd find a way to blow everything I did wide open and I loved it so much because yeah I, I like I, I I know like the Doctor Who universe pretty well because I'm stupid I'm a stupid huge nerd <laughs> so <laughs> So I would be like, so they would suggest something, or they would suggest something, or screw something up, and I'd be like, "Oh man, how how does that ripple outward?" And I just go through possibilities in my mind real quick and be like, "Cool, bam! You guys have opened a rift in space time. Things are about to get real friggin' wild." (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's that's uh, that's super cool. Going along with that, though, um, you guys are talking about things that you. Uh, moments you really loved do you guys have a a highlight like that during game like what i like to call like imagination highlight any point in playing where you were just so encompassed enraptured with the storytelling and how you were seeing it in your imagination that it just was like it just hit you and it just it stuck with you oh man you want to go first <laughs> I mean, i've got a few moments i want to like pick the best one <laughs> so is this like in relation just to ghosts on a train or just like any of the games that we've uh, if you want to if you want to just stick it to ghosts on a train you can but i'll open this up to you know any experience you've had in your you know <laughs> in your career of tabletop role playing games so i have a story of like from my very very first character that i actually played when i very first started out of my half orc barbarian because i was very basic and that was what the team needed at the time and i didn't understand (laughs) the game so fell into it but i had made this character thrak uh half orc built like a just a refrigerator just huge (laughs) very very strong to like an absurd extent i figured the one thing that i knew about sort of like D coming in was and this is something that i strive to like do all the time with all of the characters that i make is you don't necessarily have to make the character good just so long as you make them interesting mm-hmm. so i decided that i was going to have thrak have like severe social anxiety despite looking like perpetually like intimidating but what that actually translated to was I was a character who did not like to interact with any of the NPCs and just hit stuff. Interesting. So it kind of didn't really work out. Anyway, (laughs) you're playing Storm King's Thunder and there's a scene in the sort of like Lair of the Fire Giants. Uh, Spoilers, I guess, if you haven't played Storm King's Thunder and intend to do it. Uh... Three, two, one. That was your warning. But there's a scene where there's a big fire giant overseer holding a gigantic club shaped like a key that leads sort of like in through the rest of the fortress and a bunch of like full-blooded orc slaves. And I thought to myself, uh, 
Because Thrak basically had the backstory of Conan the Barbarian, just <laughs> entire village wiped out, kind of sold off into slavery, because that's a thing that pretty much everything in the Monster Manual does. Go figure. Go figure, uh, yeah. But sold off into slavery, eventually, like, escaped, and then just sort of, like, roamed as an adventurer from that point on. But for me, I was like, I'm going to seize this moment. There's a bunch of, like, orcish slaves that are being, like, taken advantage of. I'm going to defeat this fire giant and free my people. So I go in, barbarian rage, I was a totem warrior of the bear, and the way that sort of, like, translated to me physically was... It just made him look like even more frightening and like large and intimidating. Like, I described <laughs> him as looking like just a shaved bear with tusks. Oh god! So just like huge and frightening. But barbarian rage. I fought this fire giant solo. Uh, I actually ended up killing him. But nice. the funny part was about like halfway through, the rest of the party like comes in. It's like, what's going on? And they see a bunch of orc slaves. Uh, and the giant overseer basically says, like, get them! And so the basically the rest of my party fought the orc slaves that I was trying to free as I soloed this, this fire giant. And, like, I was just duking it out, just, like, back and forth. I did all the damage. He picked me up, threw me into some molten metal. I just come out, jump it right back at him. Oh, man. Like, and by the time the fight was over, the rest of my party <laughs> slayed the entire room of the oh, orc no. slaves. So it was just this moment of just like, yes, I've done it! I've... Oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, but, like, man. That, that was the moment where I was, like, deep into the... in the fiction. Like, I was in it! And, like, even though, like, me at the time knew sort of, like, looking down, this was what was going on at the table. Like, oh I, I knew the rest of the fighting was going on, but it was still really funny to me to be just like, I'm in it, I'm gonna do this for my people, and then, like, <laughs> oh no, dramatic irony. Well, yeah, what about you, uh, Stefan? Do you, right, do you I have, have, do I have two small ones, one as a player and one as a GM. So, in one of my, or in, uh, in that Doctor Who campaign, one of my players had a long-standing rival, or was an actress, and she had a long-standing rival. So I in, I convoluted a way for those two to meet up again briefly. And the thing that like the thing that I got very lost in in these interactions was this rival is awful. She Liza Moore was just the absolute worst, and everything she said was just a two-hand a backhanded dig, and it was <laughs> so fun to play her. Uh, like, I, or, it, me and that player got into, like, the biggest battle of, like, verbal sparring I think I've ever had in real life or fictional, oh <laughs> it just kept going back and forth and escalating over and over again. It wasn't this Yoshiko? Like, yeah, we, this we've was already Yoshiko. mentioned Yoshiko. Oh, yeah, actually, we have already mentioned Yoshiko. Yeah, <laughs> so Yoshiko and I go back and forth, back and forth, and Yoshiko, is, Yoshiko, as a player and as a character, gets fed up with it and, like, tries to sabotage or tries to sabotage Liza. So, as Liza, while she is, like, currently falling into the dirt because Yoshiko's gotten rid of, like, broken her high heel, she, she, 
she completely stone faced as she drops, never stops insulting Yoshiko's character. Oh my god! <laughs> Just before her, before the rest of her body reacts, even her her mouth is continuing to spout out bullshit. And oh my gosh! It was the most fun thing to play out because the dedication. Like I, I think I as a person. If I were doing that, would have run out of things to say. But I, I was so lost in the character. I was like, "Ooh, that's an insecurity I can just dig into." <laughs> oh man! Oh, look at that! <laughs> that was a nice little crack. Here's a good comeback. Oh my gosh, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> it's so funny. I I love it though. How like just with that, and it's just a wonderful example of just how so far into your minds and 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 for both of you honestly how far into like this game you can get or games like D or other tabletop role-playing games that like you just lose yourself and like you're just oh, lost absolutely. the imagination 100 percent. it's right. really really cool yeah now Austin, uh, you've heard from yes. both of us but i'm legitimately curious like what is your sort of like go-to story for imagination of oh, man. that sort of not to put you on the spot too much. No, no, it's it's fine. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, there was there was one. I mean, I'm sure there were others, but the one that comes to my mind is there was there was one session where uh, I was with my my players, and I'm I'm the DM, my forever DM syndrome. But uh, I yeah, well they were escape brother. It's okay. I know. I, I have I have a few times, very sparingly, and I and I would love the opportunity for more. Uh, but I know for you know time constraints and and other issues, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard. Um, but there were there was one one session where my players were. Uh, it was they had encountered this certain NPC who was like this uh, when they first when they first met him. He was uh, like the head of a bandit's guild in the sewers and was immediately, you know, stereotypically like this like rough, uh, rough and tumble dwarven, you know, bandit captain who was just like, yeah, just get him. You know, it doesn't matter. Like just, yeah, I'm a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. Well, later on they, I had them meet him again, like down and down the line a few sessions later. (laughs) And it was good because like, I basically threw them for a little bit of a loop to where they, they got to know more about him as an actual person and not just, you know, the stats, you know, not just a bandit captain. And I created pretty much like um, a little bit on the fly and with a little bit of pre-planning of like, he was a man who did what he did because of reasons like he had lost his wife to, to a disease, like this terrible disease. So he had to turn to a bit of a life of crime uh to make ends meet but in he also was sort of a a robin hood character who was doing this to benefit others who were down on their luck as well (laughs) it it was very interesting yeah and and there was one the the exact moment i'm thinking of is one where one of the characters actually diverges to go return a wedding ring that they found from his his basically his room in the sewers with had the name Bronwyn inscribed in the inside of it. And it was in, you know, the bandit captain's room. So he goes and finds him, meets him. And I gave this like whole, you know, off the cuff speech about like, 
exactly what I said, you know, like why he's doing it was for, you know, in remembrance of the woman he lost. And it was because that was the reason why he did all this. And like, I was just so into the role play of it that like I was mimicking the motions that I was doing uh, in my narrative, like in real life, you know, and it was just getting me so into it. And it was just like, it was so good that I, it just sticks with me to this day. And it's, it's, it's not as like cool or as like exciting, I think as your guys is, but it's one that like really was like, wow, like that was like, like, well, any moment where you sort of, you can just really like feel that like physicality. I, mm-hmm. I think that's good when that yeah. fiction just like translates like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, and, and like you said, it, when it, when it translates like that, it is those moments where that, you know, the imagination really takes a hold and just like, is like, Oh man, like you better hold on. <laughs> Buckle up. We're going for a ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another question for you guys. Do you feel like with, uh, in the obviously in the same vein as imagination, do you feel like having a childlike sense of imagination is a good thing when it comes to playing these sorts of games? I would say yes, but like the most important thing is not necessarily to like have that childlike imagination, but more like be open to experiencing that. Like there's mm-hmm. role playing, and especially like tabletop role playing like this, where it's like group storytelling. When you get really into the drama, it leaves you really vulnerable. And it's important to just remember, like, to let yourself feel that. Otherwise, like, you're just not going to be experiencing the game. Like, half of the enjoyment is just being there and being in the fiction. Spinning the magic circle, as the phrase goes. But, uh, it's just important to like, and I think that's the biggest and most difficult part for a lot of new players, especially is just mm-hmm. letting go and letting yourself have the opportunity to feel just yeah, get lost in it. Have fun. Yeah. That's good. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I, th- I, th- I think you knocked it out of the park. I mean, yeah, no, I, I think what is, I think the thing that, like, most characterizes childlike imagination for me is, like, the openness and willingness to just, like, completely give yourself over to it. And I think his answer encapsulated that really well. Yeah, many, many, I think, in essence, tabletop role-playing games are the ultimate way for someone to really let go and be in those moments mm-hmm. uh, of imagination, of even things like emotion or or new experiences. And I've, and I've said this on other uh episodes briefly to where like oh, yeah it's 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 such a perfect avenue for people to probably sometimes um get into a different mindset than what they are in real life uncomfortable of doing or experiencing and easing their way into those into those moments of like okay maybe if i can do this among my friends and in a imaginary sense maybe I can do this in real life and maybe it can, you know, benefit from that. Oh, 100%. I've had friends that have like come out as like different sexual orientations or trans, like, and they basically got the start just like by using D and D as kind of a, a test bed doing just basically experimenting in an environment where you're with a bunch of people that you trust 
Yeah. And, and the, yeah, I was going to say trust is, is like a huge thing too in, oh, yeah. in obviously all these things. Cause like, you know, you, you not only, you know, trust your players not to not follow the rules or, you know, not bicker and argue, but you trust the DM or the GM to be fair and open with the players, but also just trust each other to not judge each other at the table mm-hmm. or over over the online, you know, line, webs and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you it does it, a lot of trust does go into these kind of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like, like, like I said a little while ago, does, it can leave you very vulnerable and like, yeah, yeah, that kind of vulnerability doesn't come easy and for yeah. you to experience it, like you've really got to be willing to like, let everyone else at the table kind of in. Yeah. And especially whenever, uh, you know, you might have players that get so into it where like they do experience real emotions such as like crying or tears or even like even like anger or something you know like that you know more negative but like it is a such a vulnerable moment where it could it can leave other players or just everyone at the table like kind of shocked and like oh how do i deal with this Mm -hmm. and it's and it's really up to everyone to really like trust each other and respect each other to say like hey we're not gonna judge you for this now or later you know and say like this is okay like that's what you're kind of there for to have experiences like this in in these kind of tabletop games i would like to know for you guys what best fuels your imagination do you guys like to dive deep into you know video games or other or other just game formats or do you guys listen to music to get your mind going maybe movies or books or what is it for you guys that gets your mind just running I feel like I've answered first for like all the questions so far. So I'll go for this point for a bit. Um, well, yeah. So for me, I listen or I listen to music. I watch a bunch of different television. I read comic books. I love movies. I like kind of immerse myself in a bunch of different forms of like art and storytelling because that stuff just kind of like really interests me. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of find a lot of inspiration in a lot of those things. And yeah, I, huh, yeah, what really, like, what really gets my imagination going is just kind of like, I love imagining possibilities out of, yeah. or, like, possibilities out of just about anything. And like, so like, I'll find myself, or I, like, I, I love watching a show week to week, for instance, because I love just being able to theorize and like, think about, oh man this this thing might have or like this thing's gonna happen next week i wonder i wonder how we get there i wonder how (laughs) like that the the kind of like picking up and picking up and like weaving through those threads just kind of like really really like it, it really like gets my mind moving and i love that kind of stuff so that's 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 like where a lot of my that's where a lot of my imagination comes out of it nice and what about you guys I'm very much the same way. I uh, I consume a lot of media. Uh, actually, Steph and I were going to uh, do a podcast in which we just sort of like discussed things that we like. Uh, I also, because I'm a huge nerd, <laughs> but of a different kind, uh, I like to read a lot of philosophy journals. So, okay, cool. Uh, a lot of NPCs and like characters that I come up with, I try and come at them from a side of like, what if they were, what if they behaved in sort of like this kind of way? And then just sort of like watching the, uh, 
the ripples go from there. It's it's very much when I'm gaming a lot of the characters and a lot of the things that I really like about it is just the experimentation, having the freedom to explore all these like strange and disparate ideas and trying to just like pull them together. That's really interesting for both of you guys. Uh, for you, Stefan, I, I like how, you know, you're saying like, you know, you watch things weekly and it, it, it very much ties into how with the tabletop podcasting formats, you know, like you guys release, you know, weekly or biweekly or how, or every, whoever does it, it does leave, you know, their listeners to do that same thing that what you're doing. Oh yeah. Like able to formulate like what's going to happen next or like, how are they going to get out of this jam? And then for your, your mentioning philosophy, it man, like it, I've, I've seen a few instances where like a DM will highly integrate their, their views or their knowledge of philosophy into their gaming. And it just seems like it unlocks a whole other level of depth in, in such an imaginary game that allows you to, again, get these other experiences, but also, you know, you can, you can totally gain other insights to, you know, levels of thought in, in a game like this. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about yourself, uh, Austin? Where do you sort of like draw inspiration? Um, You don't mind me asking. No, no, no. I, I honestly, like I'll say (laughs) a thousand times. I totally welcome questions for me. I think it's fun. I, I would say my go-to is music a lot of times. Like before I really got into tabletop games like D&D, I I did a lot of like writing you could say uh, and they were they were it was weird writing because like it was formatted as though it were like a poem or like a prose thing, but it was very very fantasy genre based and stuff like this and I would listen to yeah. any kind of of thing i'd listen to like you know video game soundtracks or um like things like doom metal or or a whole bunch of other just weird uh genres of music yeah and it would just like uh formulate ideas in my mind of like a story and so i actually have turned several of those uh instances of listening to music into D campaigns that's that, like so super cool that's, that's yeah like through a concept album that's dope it, it was there i'll, I'll i want to i wish i knew this person's name on reddit because they had such a cool idea uh it was it was so well conceptualized and and seemingly finalized to where they 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 took basically entire discography from a of a band called mastodon and I do like Mastodon, so they are good. They they took all of their albums that they have ever released, really, and made this whole huge arcing campaign to where uh, they had to find specific <gasps> items relative to albums and key characters in albums and the scenery and locations and stuff like that. And it, that really also inspired me to do a lot of my own. That is so, so neat. It was really cool. awesome. So I think like things like you know. Obviously, there's you can find inspiration and you can draw, you know, sources of imagination from so many different things. But for me, it would probably be music because, you know, it's it's so easier too for for music in my eyes, because, you know, if you're working or if you're just at home chilling around, just pop in, you know, headphones at work or just play something on the radio or whatever. And you can you can get something cool. Like I've I've also listened to like, um, 
you know, like eighties hair metal music, which I freaking love. And like, I've conceptualized an idea for a campaign where uh, the setting is a world where music is life. Like literally everyone has their careers in music in some way. The, the entire economy or like the ranking of power is based on a person's ability to play and their their band's status in the world. So like there are literal battle of the bands where bands like summon ancestral musical gods and spirit oh, totems. Awesome. While they're, they're like they're doing skill checks, like performance checks and stuff on the stage while like above in the ether, they are having like this huge spiritual like spectral battle of literal like music and sound. And that I just think that'd so be super awesome. cool. So things like that, where I think music is is really cool. So I can dig that. That's, like, that's real cool. Music has always been a really good or a really good way for me to flesh out characters. So yeah, in our oh, yeah. Star Wars campaigns, what we've had like kind of a tradition of is we'll build a playlist for our characters. Oh yes, <laughs> and nice. uh, yeah, doing that has really helped me flesh out like different aspects of like because it forces you to look at your character and go, um. All right, so what really represents their wants, their needs, and like the way both others perceive them and they perceive themselves, and like yeah. finding that stuff, like finding songs that like match up with like their self perception or like the way they present outwards can really oh, yeah. like clue you into like or can really clue you into stuff that like you hadn't really thought about with them before. Yeah, it it definitely helped me a lot. Sort of like going through the. Uh the various playlists oh, yeah. one because it gave me a lot of <laughs> new music to listen to but two it also gave me sort of like these ideas on where to pull things with like the the force visions of what is the universe itself trying to tell your character that's interesting now are are these music the music that you pick are they of of more ambient style like there's there's no words or do you pick stuff that is like you know from specific bands and stuff like that that just gives almost like the tone of the music or the genre music just speaks to that character it's a it's a mix it, it tends to differ depending on the character mm. and the the player uh i know like what well aurora's I, gregorian chants like, aurora's got a lot of gregorian <laughs> chants for for her characters that's uh, cool though i like jolene has like indie folk which is like you get sort of like a, a mix, a different sort of like feel for the characters based on like either like the lyrics or just like the mood of the song. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a combination. It's, it's it's very interesting, very fun. It's neat when you like have a bunch of genres mixed together as well. Like I know per, or I know mine had uh, some hip hop some, or some hip hop next to some like alt rock and stuff. Interesting. And, like the different vibes you get coming off each genre specifically can like really drastically alter like your perception of the character. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It is really good. I I do love that <laughs> music and and other things like that can be so fun and and just uh, fleshing out your character just to have that extra layer of like this is the kind of music that my character will listen to if they could listen to music. Oh yeah, like it's just so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> It's great because you guys are actually answering some of the ones I had like as secondary questions that you guys are just like really well like tied into. Uh, so good job, guys. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out like a good way to like tie in. Like, might as well call us a segue or something. But like, 
falling off a cliff or something. But like, <laughs> I, I got lost, too lost in the sauce there. So like, they can't all no be mind. winners. They can't all be winners. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, that actually, honestly, funny enough, ties in with what my question was going to be. Do you lack imagination in anything? <laughs> <laughs> wow call me out directly Jeez, oh, got him man oh, got him i've been slain um, so, <laughs> when it comes to actually like playing and running the game uh i know for me and you can correct me stefan but oh. like please don't because it will hurt feelings uh, <laughs> But when I sort of, like, set up a scene for the characters, I actually leave, like, a lot of it pretty blank, just so, like, the characters can be like, oh, I want to establish, like, is this thing there? Because mm-hmm. one of the things that I kind of agree with, like, wholeheartedly as a GMing philosophy. Get yeah. Again, too lost in the sauce, but as a GMing <laughs> philosophy, uh, just always say yes. That's sort of, like, one of my uh my three rules for gming my three uh three commandments but the uh i tend to leave like things very very bare bones when it comes to like settings etc and let sort of like the players kind of what do you want there to be here what do you think would be interest and interesting and then i will i'll build on what they give me but when it comes to actually like painting a picture like I can't describe a mountain. I can't describe like this bustling townscape. It's just like it's a town. There's people in it. <laughs> uh, but like, as they sort of like start feeding me more things, and it actually like there is a mechanical application to that in the uh, Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars system, where the players can just establish something about the scene, and it. It is now like a part of the scene and just hmm. go roll with it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's yeah. neat. It's real fun. I wish you guys would use it more. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Calling people out here, I see. Okay. No one gets, no one survives this. <laughs> Everyone's getting called out, boys. We're a hell of a lot better than we used to be about it. You are, you are. You, you definitely improved. <laughs> That's good. That's lovely to hear. It's so nice. Nice comment for once. <laughs> yeah, can you tell we hate each other? That's no. why we're still in this closet together. Yeah, crammed together. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yep. Just, I can't get him out of my life. There you go. It's tough when he won't move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the best uh, part is, I did move in, like, June-ish. So yeah, like, this, it's this fairly is a, recent. This is a fairly oh, recent wow. occurrence. You're, and you're already trying to kick him out. I know. Right. Shame. You think you know somebody, but then you live with them for a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've Ow. been there many times. Uh, well, yeah, what about you, uh, Stefan? Do you have any ways that you lack imagination? <sighs> well, let's see. I think, I think what gets me I'm really bad about planning. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Planning planning I'm not good at. I, I found I found with jamming, I'm not good at like I'm not good at like setting up setting a path and letting things flow down that path. I have to be able to improvise and if I try too hard to stick to a thing, 
I will, or I will just kind of get lost. I will get lost in the details and I need to be able to like free myself up to not do what I had planned. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I'm good. I'm good at rolling with the punches, but yeah. I think, I think a thing that I've always needed to be stronger with is just like really setting down or setting down a goal and like following through with it. I'm great at, or I'm great at like picking up the threads that like my players or that my players give me, but I mm-hmm. uh, believe me places that we ended up, I was not intending to get there ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's just an interesting thing though. And it can, it can lead to a lot of fun though. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. For what you were saying guy, you know, you kind of leave yourself open to these blank scenes almost, you know, but it, oh, yeah. I, I feel like that helps players maybe to where, you know, it really leads them to create their own ideas of what is around them. Uh, and with that, you know, each person is going to have their own unique image in their imagination of what might be around. So I think honestly, it might be an advantageous kind of thing that you have those blank scenes because <laughs> it, it, it can, it can lead to a lot of like, you know, really wonderful settings of imagination, I think. Yeah. Please give me more compliments, Austin. There you My go. ego needs it. Uh, well, well, I was going to say the the Stefan though. Like you say, you're bad at planning though, but and and setting goals. But like sticking to improvisation is, I would think the one of the top examples of using your imagination of you know oh, formulating 100%. something out of nothing. So I think both of you are wrong, uh, <laughs> and you didn't answer that question at all. <laughs> Oof. Ah, well, Dang. I guess we failed the interview. Oh, we did. Twice. All right. Ooh, all right. Interview, interview over. Goodbye. Yeah. All right. Good day, sir. <laughs> um, like, I mean, this is this. I think ties into something that I don't know who said it originally. It feels like a quote that some famous internet GM that I should have committed to memory, <laughs> like. I should have. I should know who said this, but no plan survives first contact with players. Oh God! Like, no. Full stop. Yeah, that's a good point. I myself, like any DM, I think has has had that happen to them, and it's just it's just a fact of life when you're doing tabletop role playing games that once again lead you to create so many different avenues of possibilities that you know your game can take you anywhere, and unless you're Either your your players are maybe laser focused or have a clear viewpoint of their goal, then you know they're going to diverge, and that's okay. I think to mm-hmm. to go off on on different you know uh, roads of adventure or journeys and stuff like that. Though I think it's good though, but and, and again, it does also leave the DM or the GM to just have fun in that creative space and that an imaginary space to say, all right, well, this might be not something that I necessarily had planned or thought that I could do, but like you can definitely see yourself, you know, really rise to the occasion of, of being so creative and pulling something out of nothing. And also like, even if, even if you think it's bad and maybe you're replacing that, you all probably still had a great time and that's all that really matters in that. That is really the thing that I want to, that I like most treasure is like when, when my players are like, hell, that was actually super fun. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. a mess. But you know what? You guys loved it, so hey. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what we're all here to do. Just enjoy yourselves around a table with our friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that, that like, well, most of the days, yeah. Some days you're like, <laughs> I have 
I have in my notebook here that I plan to kill off uh, Drix <laughs> or something. <laughs> Hey. I let's see. I've got you on my hit list and you on my hit list. Guy guy didn't have a guy didn't have a character health hit list. He had a character's emotional state hit list. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I like that. That's so good. Going back to speaking about your guys' characters, I would love to give you or I lo- I would love for you to give me and listeners a a breakdown of your your campaign and and the a little bit about the system because we've we've touched on it a few times, but a little bit about the system as well that you guys are are running here. Absolutely. Uh, so we're playing Ghost Lines, which is a it's this very interesting free RPG by John Harper, set in the Blades in the Dark universe. Shout out to J Dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, J Dog. We haven't had that joke since episode one. <laughs> Oh, guys. I feel I've earned this. Podcast. Okay, Stephen. <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, it's this. Uh, it's set in the Blades in the Dark universe. Don't ask me what that means because I've never played Blades in the Dark. I know nothing about it. But I've, I've looked up some stuff. It's but a, I haven't played it myself either. But it's a I know sport. Hannah has that. Yes, Hannah has. Who's one of our uh, our co players? But uh, it's literally a four page uh, powered by the apocalypse system. That is the entirety of the RPG. It's very, very free form of you are a line bull. Uh, you are protecting this train from ghosts because there are ghosts. You are on a train. Go fight them. And that's pretty much where it just like sets you off. And honestly, the I think this does sort of like go back to the what you had said about like the gaps in the game sort of like leave more room for interpretation and sort of like more expression and exploration within that space. Mm -hmm. And because of that, like it's, it's honestly just a very fun little 2d six game. It's available for free online. Just search ghost lines on into Google or your, uh, internet, search engine of <laughs> for like, those who don't google i suppose yeah what do you use bing the, i use duck duck go because i don't want anyone to see what i'm searching for oh wow i use it's usually it's usually phrases of like how do i actually spell this and i'll get the autocorrect of like this is how you actually spell this thing it's like oh, thanks nice. that's great i love that <laughs> I have a lot of half-typed words into my search bar. A lot of hey, half-typed man. words. I totally understand that. Fair, valid, <laughs> reasonable. Yeah. Expanding on what Guy had been saying, um, I, I really agree that like the gaps in the ghost line system allows for a lot of creativity and like a lot of everyone's got or like everyone's kind of thought up how the or like how all the stuff looks and how, or like how all the stuff looks together and like how we use certain items like. I we definitely aren't playing Ghost Lines entirely correctly, but I think that's part of the fun. <laughs> I mean, that's also like just unless you're critical role, you're not playing the game correctly. Like that's <laughs> I've made my peace with that long ago. That's so. also fair. But like the little the little changes in rules, like for instance, we do or we do uh, downtime episodes called layovers between lines. And Interesting. So because there is a sm- there's a really small like. one role mechanic between or between like uh ghost hunting lines 
where you can work a side job or go get your or go like kill yourself basically and all you would do in like a normal ghost lines game would be uh I, I i roll a d6 i see how i see how well this thing went and then i change my stats and then we're off to the next line we make an episode out of those and we have our characters like actually play out everything that they would be doing so couple episodes ago drix worked as a bouncer so we had drick or so we played out the scenes of drix working as a bouncer for or working as a bouncer for a brothel and it was a lot of fun and you made an enemy it was great i made him i i always make an enemy you, you have rolled so badly on every <sighs> downtime job drix is going to die or it's 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 hilarious because my sweet approachable boy he just every single time he just, he, just, st- he gets off the train he makes an enemy or owes someone a favor or every time without fail i i i i am terrible at downtime rolls they're always i i get one so often on the other hand my drunk is now like the richest member of the party <laughs> which is really fun <laughs> <laughs> that's so good though oh uh, yeah it's 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 great it's a fun, cute little system, either like for just continual play or just like to do as a little one shot with you and four friends. Uh, it lends itself really easily to just picking up and playing because the 2D6 system is super simple and it's mostly just like uh, the maximum you add to something is probably going to be like four. So it's like, cool, I roll 2D6, I got a six, I add four, ten, bam. It's great. <laughs> it's. Not a, not a huge, not a high barrier of entry as far as, like, the math's concerned. And because it is so vague, it lends itself very well in narrative play. Absolutely. Interesting. Well, that actually was going to tie into what I was going to ask. Do you think, well, for one question, is, you say it's a 2d6 system. Now, are there other separate dice, like a d4, a d8, nope. and stuff like that? It's just 2d6. Just 2d6, just 2D6 and 6. downtime rolls are 1d6. That's all it is. I- when I say this is a four-page RPG, I mean one page of the RPG is just the character sheet, and the others are just, like, little minor details to, like, fill in for the the GM. I love that. Do you feel like that simplicity might make it an easier path to having a more enjoyable experience for, like, imagination? Because you don't have to be weighed down by you know, seven different types of dice. For example, like D&D has, you know, you have five different editions right now. You have rule books out the wazoo and stuff like that. Do you feel like that simplistic 2D6 systems can lead to a better experience for an imagination game? Yeah, I or I, I absolutely think so. So I think, I think I've got a pretty good, decent comparison here. Um, when I first played D&D, uh, I played a monk, or I played a monk who had the ability Step of Wind, so I, as the player, was like, okay, so I'm blasting air out of my foot. I can think of some creative ways to do that. But the rules of yeah. D&D didn't really permit that kind of, or didn't really permit that kind of... Uh, chicanery? Yes, chicanery is the right <laughs> word, actually. <laughs> so, because, yeah, I was immediately like, okay, cool, I'm going to place my foot on this guy's chest and blast it backwards the amount that I would go back, or the oh, amount perfect. that I would move. And, like, my GM was like, that's not really how that works (laughs) but in ghost lines um one one of the one of the moments like one of like the really fun moments early in like in episode one even that we did was um 
Andrew, our or Andrew, who's played by our friend Hannah, got knocked off the train, and we, and in all in a lot of cases that would just be, oh no, or that would just be, yeah. oh no, she's gone, it's over, <laughs> this character is dead now, <laughs> but. <laughs> Because we, because we earlier on, when we had been kind of deciding what the gear really looked like, because that's less so vague in the source material, we had all decided that to go with Drix's cowboy motif, we had Tesla coils that we could use as lassos. Ooh, yeah. So that allowed Andrew to that allowed Andrew to make a finesse roll using the lasso practice that she and Drix had been doing latch on to Guy's character, Pip, and swing her way back onto the train, which <laughs> you wouldn't get in, like, anyone else's Ghost Lines game. <laughs> but oh, because we, because of the way that we had built out our world, uh, it was totally possible and totally within reason for the roles. I love that. That's really, really Absolutely. cool. Do you have any contention to that, uh, Guy? Only that I was... I helped because I was literally playing in terms of like the game called the anchor so i was the anchor point in this case mm-hmm. and i have not forgiven hannah for treating me as such <laughs> another story for another day maybe mm-hmm. i'd love to hear that though well uh for my last question to you guys what advice would you give to people who might be uncomfortable really taking that leap into the uh the vast and wonderful world of imagination Honestly, if you are inspired, the only thing that's going to hold you back is yourself. Uh, If you're passionate about someone, you'll be able to find other people that are also passionate about it. And from there, just start a game. Just start playing. Yes. There are so many systems. It doesn't have to be D&D. There's so many systems that like do so many like specialized specific things. If what you want to do is something wild and wacky, like you don't have to do just the El Clasico of just swords and sorcery. Yeah. Chop around. You'll like what you find. Good answer. And you, Stefan? Um, my advice would be never, never be afraid that you don't have a good enough idea. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, like for Drix, uh, for Drix in particular, uh, for Drix and uh, Galor, my Star Wars character, both of them, I came in with those characters not not nearly as formed as you would think. Have you heard <laughs> them as they are? Uh, Galor, I came in with like a very thin concept and we built that out over the course of like months of the campaign before I really even had like a handle on him. Drix clicked a little bit more. You can if you listen to our bonus episode that is just our character creation, you can literally hear me go, I really don't have a plan for this character. <laughs> <laughs> but slowly find the character just kind of by playing off of what the other characters would be doing. Or what like the or finding the dynamic that I wanted to have with the other players at the table essentially. Like huh. Don't be afraid to come in half-cocked because that's what the other players and the GM are for. They help you build all that stuff out. And yeah. that, that that like collaborative storytelling doesn't have to end just at like the narrative. It can end even with your own character development. Yeah. Yeah. I think both of what you guys are saying is is a again, perfect example of TTRPGs in that like it takes 
everyone at the table or your group of friends, whoever you're playing with, you know, to really like help each other out and put the, putting that trust into others and, and in for allowing each other to have fun stepping into the world of imagination and going away from the table at the end of the session with like, you know, I had a really great time. Like, you know, I, I, you know, maybe some people were scared. Maybe, maybe some people were, you know, full of ideas that they wanted to do and they were able to try them. And like, it takes everyone there to really say like, yeah, we can, we can do this together. Exactly. Yeah. Gentlemen, please tell the listeners when and where you can catch your show. This is all you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can catch us on ghosts on a train, a ghost lines RPG podcast. We air our episodes every other Thursday or every other Thursday, uh, they come out at like 5 a.m., so once you get up, they'll be there. Or 5 nice. a.m. Eastern, so, you know. Let's let's not have that problem again. Yeah, that was time zones. <laughs> time zones. Uh, time oh, yeah. Zones. There you but, go. Yeah, every other week, you can enjoy listening to our stupid faces, you know, talk about, or play very dumb characters. Our party, our party is literally three idiots that share a brain cell, and it's the most fun. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun. Like just from talking to you guys, about it, it seems it seems like a hell of a time. Oh, we're enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you guys want to give a shout out or anything like that to any other info? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, these are trying times for literally everyone. Uh, I just want to, or like, I want everyone to know that we or we very much appreciate any like support and listenership we've gotten, but. More than anything right now, it's a great time to start listening to other voices, talking to other people, and giving to help where you can. Um, we would highly recommend giving to the bail project or bail funds near you to help with the protests, because unfortunately it's a really contentious time in America right now, and everyone uh, uh, we feel that everyone needs to do their part to help however they can, and... If you're not involved, then you're not helping. Yeah. Like, your inaction automatically takes the side of the oppressor, not to steal a phrase, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's accurate. Other thing, yeah. I'd, like to, I'd like to shout out Austin and the, uh, the Iron Chest for being a great host. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, yeah. It was absolutely my pleasure, guys. Um, and to tie in to what, everything we were just talking about and with the Bayo Fund, it really does take everyone around to really kind of like make a difference for the people involved. Absolutely. So, couldn't pick a better thing, though. Uh, but seriously, you guys, thank you so much for joining me. I've yeah. had a really, really fun time. It's been a great discussion with you guys. Thank um, you so much for having me. Hey, no problem. Uh, I would love to have you guys on in the future sometime uh, if that chance ever arose. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that we would love to have you show up on the Pride of Duskwall sometime. I would would love that. I would really, really love that. It'd be a hell of a time. Uh, Well, uh, now I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listeners. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Got me to blush. Uh, Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. See you the next time you open the Ironbound Chest.
Hey everyone, it's the end of the show, so that means it's time for shoutouts. I want to give a big shout out to Tim Kahn, John Wolf, and Weasel Milton with Brimley Elderberry III. Thank you all so much for your support. It means a whole lot to me, and I just want to say again, thank you. Uh, and listeners, if you would like to show some extra support, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash the Ironbound Chest to check out my Patreon. For $2 a month, uh, you can get some cool things like shoutouts and access to my Discord server. And then the higher tiers receive early access to episodes and even the ability to submit a question for my guests. And please don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, as it does help out a great deal. Uh, But thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next week.